three, two, one. Welcome back, everybody, to System of Soul. Chris White and Benj Miller coming at you today. And, uh, you know, we just realized our guest today, this is his third time uh, on our podcast. So, you know, I think I think we got our first regular, and and, uh, and I think you're going to like it because we got with us today Scott Mann from Rooftop Leadership and Heroes Journey. Scott, welcome back, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. Don't I get like a some kind of swag or something for that, man, like three times? I mean... Absolutely. You've got the championship belt at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, try, we'll have to get one made up and then carry it around, right? Uh, um, Scott, it's always fun um, bringing you back here. I know our listeners love it when we have you. Uh, you know, uh, our numbers spike and that's, that's good because we're here to, we're really here to help and, and you've helped a lot of people. And so we just kind of want to pick up. We haven't talked in a while. Mm-hmm. You went through a major pivot in your organization. And I think that would be a good starting point. Like, like, cause you know, a lot of businesses have had to deal with the same thing you dealt with during this whole pandemic thing. Uh, Benj and I are a part of that story too. Right. And so um, if you could kind of like bring us up to speed, man. Well, you know what, we're at the recording of this, we're over a year and a half, you know, into the longest, most devastating pandemic in modern history. And, you know, like so many business owners and business leaders who are listening to this podcast, you know, at Rooftop Leadership, we had to, we had to pivot to, we focused mostly on being in person with, uh, you know, our focus has always been on bringing those Green Beret skills of purpose-based connection into a, a work environment where there is a lot of distraction, a lot of disengagement and a lot of distrust which, you know, is pretty much America today. Um, but what, what I've seen since the pandemic hit uh, is it's gotten more pronounced. It's gotten, you know, uh, it's gotten more uh, serious, you know. And, and, and so we, what, what our pivot was, was how do we, how do we take our, life, uh, our, our lessons from the battlefield of, as Green Berets working, you know, with indigenous people and tribes and, and folks in these low trust areas, isolated, fear-based, uncertain, a lot of change, and and you know, kind of bridge those lessons for purpose and human connection into an arena where the same kind of fear, uncertainty, isolation, uh, and and change are happening now, and and they're they're happening uh, on a level that is really new. It's 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 new water. It, we call it the churn. It, it, it's like this, it's like this frothing ocean of, you know, and I mean, like a, like a, like a frothing ocean in a hurricane of, 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 of this, of distraction, disengagement and distrust. And it's hard to map it. It's hard to make sense of it. It's hard to get your head around it, you know, when you're dealing with all that. So what I've seen is in that context, uh, I've seen some things in human behavior that we probably need to take stock of as business leaders. Like there's some stuff happening at a human level with our clients, employees, with our spouses, our kids, and with us that I believe are going to alter and change whether we survive, thrive, or just go down in the next year or two. And 
Um, I think most people are completely unaware of it. If I'm tracking with you, like recently I was having a conversation with this person and I, I feel like I, I'm like, have you not seen the news or have you not read uh, or, or stayed current? And they don't want to know. They're, it's just avoidance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other day I was sitting in on this workshop uh, with some really, really wonderful thought leaders in the arena of connection and human performance. And one of them is a Dr. Ivan Terrell, who wrote the book, The Human Givens. And he also founded the Human Givens Institute. And Ivan is a psychiatrist. And frankly, I think one of the most, just one of the best thought leaders on human nature, right? He, he His whole position is that all humans, regardless of language or culture or political opinion, we or ethnicity or color or religion, we all have uh, a set of innate drivers, right? That are physiological, that are emotion, emotional, and, and, and they're across the board, right? We all have them and they are givens. They are, they are the, you know, they are the givens of our humanity status, uh, you know, emotional well-being, safety. Um, there's a whole range of them. And Ivan has done a wonderful job of basically saying, look, if we don't know what those are for ourselves and the people that we lead, then we're already diluted, right? Yeah. So we're, we're already applying a map of modernity that does not include the givens or the nature of who we are. And, and I think we're seeing that right now. We are disconnected from our nature. So like think of uh, human nature as an iceberg, right? 20% of that iceberg is above the waterline. That's the modern world. That's the mass technology, the materialism, the rat race, and, you know, arguably liberal democracy, freedom of choice, individualism, all that tip of the iceberg. But below that waterline is, an, is the larger iceberg. That's the part that actually sunk the Titanic, right? Like that's 80% of the iceberg. And it's the, it, that's that primal human creature that is a quarter of a million years old. The tip of that iceberg is 250 years old, right? Uh, you know, the iPhone's 11 years old, but yet it's... <laughs> changed everything. So what Ivan and, and a range of other thinkers and what we say at Rooftop is what our biological inheritance, what drives us at a molecular cellular level to take action are these primal human givens that most people don't even know exist. Like, and, and so, and, and they act on us semi-consciously and the more we ignore them, the more removed we are from them, ironically, the more they show up and the more tribal we become. And that's what I'm seeing today. Like I'm seeing this weird behavior as a result of a pandemic. For example, humans, one of our human givens is we're social creatures, right? Like we actually navigate the world. We, we survive on top of the food chain, not because we have fur, fangs, or claws, guys. Like we survive on top of the food chain because we're really good at teaming, right? We form up with other, you know, naked humans and we survived uh, whatever mother nature threw at us. Well, we're, we are biologically wired to do that. So what's the number one solution to the pandemic right now? Get away from each other. Get away from each other and watch out for the person next to you because they might kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then just to add to it, let's put a mask on that covers the micro expressions of the lower third of the face that we've been using to read friend or foe for a quarter million years. 
Right. Now, I'm not judging the decision. So this is the first thing people do. Well, you're not for math. No, like, dude, that's part of the problem. Like, hear what I'm saying. Like, yeah. this is the bio biology of who we are, right? So when you take all that away, there's a cost. And to, to go back to my workshop story, Terrell gets on there and he says, there's going to be a cost to this social distancing. And what it is going to be is some level of madness. Um, there, there is because humans, humans make sense of the world and we regulate our behavior based on being present in front of other humans, right? We actually gauge our behavior and regulate our behavior based on our interaction with other humans. Sure. If you take humans away from the equation, then there's a level of madness that settles in on us. There's this isolation starts right. to take a toll where our, you know, we start to deregulate. And yeah. it starts to manifest in all kinds of crazy ways. And I am seeing those in all kinds of crazy ways. This episode is brought to you by Titus Talent Strategies. Titus Talent Strategies exists to equip companies to make the best attraction, engagement, hiring, and development decisions to meet their organization's people and performance objectives. We're here to help you get the right people in the right seats and be the best team members they can be, guaranteed. This is not your traditional recruiting model. Our approach has led to measurable results for our clients and lasting partnerships. Learn more at TitusTalent.com. So Scott, in our model, we spend a lot of time talking about the, the people element. And the way we define that is the right humans for the organization, growing and healthy. And that growing and healthy, you know, we we spend a lot of time figuring out that within the business and for the people within the business. But now we've got this added pressure, right? Where the conditions of the environment that we live in is not conducive to being, to growth or health. So what are, what are the things we can do as leaders of our organizations to step into that void? One of the first things you can do is to start to reconnect to your nature below the waterline. In other words, you need to develop awareness of what makes us tick and what makes us take action. We need to recognize there's an acronym that I use. I hope people will write it down because if you will just use this as a lens and a, le and a set of levers to, to navigate this new context, it'll help you. And it's this humans are meaning seeking, emotional, social story animals who struggle. We're a mess. Right. And I threw that third S in there to just shout out to my Arkansas public education, but you know, we, <laughs> we, we, we are, man. I mean, and we are meaning seeking. We, we, we are the only creatures on the planet who take action off of purpose. We are, we assign meaning to situations before we take action. So if you are leading your business right now, you, you have, I strongly recommend that your people, they are, they are inundated with ambiguity. They are inundated with chaos. They don't have answers. And that drives a human being up the wall, right? And, and, and so it makes them feel unsafe. And if, if, you want a, if you want a culture that is safe, connected, and feels like it has a shared future, uh, which was what Daniel Cole says we got to yeah. have, right? right. Then yep. one, one of the first things is to ensure that purpose is infused in everything you do. You know, you should know your why. You should know the why of your teammates. You should know the why of your clients. And, and frankly, 
I think, you know, Simon Sinek's advice has never been more appropriate, which is people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And, and so if you're not talking about why you're doing something to your employees and your clients on a yeah. regular basis, they're checking out on you because they, they there's too much without meaning. Nobody's moving. Yeah. Right. Um, emotion. You know, this is the one I'm probably most worried about. I think we are going through like, you know, like an emotional chaos right now. Um, you think about the impact that this pandemic has had on junior employees, you know, in an 1100 square foot house with four kids crawling on top of them and not knowing if they're going to go back to work. They never get to, they can't separate work from home. And, you know, the level of, of emotional stress and anxiety that's being laid upon them. And then you look at senior leaders. Can I make payroll this month? You know, am I going to have to lay people off? Like the emotional uh, levels of, of, of cortisol and adrenaline that are just like, we're staying in this aroused state of fight, flight, or freeze. And it's, it's, it's not good. And we've got to find ways to regulate our own state and the state of those around us. Chris, you were going to say something? Yeah, you know what word that was popping into my head as, as I'm listening to you is at, 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 for all of us is that uncertainty, right? The, the, the executive is uncertain if their local government is going to shut them down again. They're stressed yeah. there. They're stressed there. The employee who's been working at home this whole time not, now kind of wants to stay home. Mm-hmm. Part of it, I think, is isolation. Right. They've just gotten yeah. comfortable. Right. And and right. so, you know, that ripple effect, like that emotional um, ripple effect. Um, yeah, it's concerning. Yeah, no, it, it really is, man. And, and I will tell you um, that kind of uncertainty. What what we know is this is so which takes me to the other thing uh, on emotion uh, binge that I think needs to be addressed. Um, is that like when it comes to, when it comes to change, you know, all of the, I was talking to, uh, a, a lead banker in, uh, in, um, that I coach, right. And we were talking about change and, and he was addressing all of the change that he's done to, to respond and adapt to the environment and all of that. And, you know, he told me, he said, you know what, it made perfect sense. It mapped well onto the PowerPoint slides all of that stuff. But he goes, but what I'll say is that it really freaked my people out. You know, even though the change I did made sense, uh, I'm absolutely convinced that it led to people leaving. It led to people uh, shutting down. And he goes, you know, I had to own that, you know? And, and, and so one of the things that I think we got to remember with all this change that we're doing in the world and, and, and the pivots, you hear that all the time, we need to know that when you make change, I don't care what it is and how good it looks on your PowerPoint deck. At the all hands, when you lay that change out there, the first thing going through your associate's mind below the waterline is, am I going to be able to put food on the table? Does this mean I'm losing my job? Mm-hmm. Am I going to, it's it, two things always happen with change, scarcity and status. It's mm-hmm. primal. It's below the waterline. It's where they're going to go. They're not going to go, oh, that is a fantastic idea. We should completely reorganize how we do talent acquisition. Like, but yet that's how we present ourselves as leaders. Like somehow this is going to make perfect sense. But in reality, emotionally, if you don't bring their emotional temperature down where they come out of fight, flight, or freeze, and they don't see scarcity and status, like they can't hear you. 
They physiologically right. can't hear a word you're saying. You're literally Charlie Brown's teacher flipping slides, you know? Um, so that's a big one too on emotion. So, so just understanding that we're emotional creatures. Like we, we navigate the world emotionally and we try to think that we don't and we try to push it down. And, but the reality is the more we do that, the worse it gets. So um, one of the things we're doing at Rooftop a lot is helping leaders understand emotional temperature, right? Like we're spending way too much time in that sympathetic state, the red, fight, flight, or freeze. And we got to do things that will bring that temperature down into a parasympathetic state, calm and connect. And that's usually, binge those tools of, you know, storytelling, active listening, just being present. Um, It's old school stuff, but nobody's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And for ourselves, I I think I remember in a previous conversation, I asked you, you know, what's something you can do yourself when you're in that moment. And I was shocked because I was so taken by your reaction. It's not what I thought it was going to be. You said something like, see if you can notice something new in the room. Um, Yeah. You know, so those little tips of things that you gave us earlier about, so I've used the, you know, a couple deep breaths, just slow down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's a, it's a change of state, right? So right. Like if, you're, if you're in the red and you're in a, you're in a high state of physical arousal, as Ivan Terrell says, anger and fear make us stupid. So, so if we're angry or we're afraid in any capacity, can we add tired and hungry? Well, I like, I'm, <laughs> a, I, I, I'm an alcoholic. So I use the acronym halt ain't hungry angry, lonely, or tired, right? If I'm oh, any good. of those yeah. things, uh. I'm, I'm, I'm close to making a, a fight, flight, or freeze-based decision, and it's not good. And, and, and I've seen this in the business world where business leaders, executives are making decisions, violating at least one of that HALT acronym. Right. And it's like, dude, go eat a, a Snickers bar, right? And come back in the room or something. But a lot of these things are really just not tending to our emotional realities, right? I'm not talking about therapy or dumping. I'm just talking about recognizing that we're emotional creatures and so are your employees. Um, And everybody right now is operating in a fear-based state. Yeah. Yeah, And I want to hang, I want to hang there for a minute because this is, this is an area of your expertise. And, and, and so full disclosure, I'm actually in, um, a year-long rooftop uh, training program myself. So I'm starting no, nowhere near ready to, to, to uh, evangelize it, but I, I'm seeing it. And I, and I got another story I can share about uh, the breath that Benj was talking about that Scott taught me that I just put into practice a week ago. I can come back to that. But I want to hang on there for a minute on that emotional part. Um, Scott, how do we get them to hear like from an executive, right? They've got to take a new approach to all these emotions, the churn, everything that's going on. And, and like you said, they're not going to hear. How do we get them to hear? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so let me, I'm going to, I'm going to offer up some, some tools, but just understand that, you know, tools and frameworks are just that, right? It, it, and if you don't apply local context to it, you know, it's just tools and frameworks, right? But, but, but I've seen these work in life and death. Like when I've gone into villages where, you know, a pissed off tribal elder is tickling the trigger of his AK. Um, and I've got to try to get this guy, you know, yeah. to, to work with me and, and my team. And, you know, that's a high stakes transaction, right? Like that's a transaction. 
I've got to, I've got to persuade influence and really in the mechanics of it, it's no different than talking to a, uh, an, an emotional employee or uh, talking to a client that's afraid to meet for the first time after a year and a half of COVID, right? Mm. The stakes are the only thing that's different. The engagement's the same, right? Because humans are wired as social creatures. So how do I get this person ready to listen? There's a few things that I think that business leaders can do more of that they're not doing. One is like, get clear on what the hell your goals are. Like, if you're going to go into an engagement, I say, literally ask yourself out loud, what's my goal, right? We're meaning-seeking creatures. I can't tell you how many times I see business leaders walking into a meeting from the last damn meeting, and they don't know what their goals are, right? And they haven't got it in their mind what success even looks like. Now, that includes sitting down with your teenager. That includes um, talking with your spouse. Like, what's your goal of the engagement? Right. And then the second thing is, what's their goal? Right. Have you thought to actually think about like, what's the goal of my client right now? What do they value? What do they need? And what do I think their pain is in relationship to that goal? If I don't know those three things going into it could be anything. It could be a weekly meeting. You know, right. it could be uh, just just anything. Um, I'm really not prepared to manage or lead in that situation. I'm just showing up. And I'm really at risk to just get sucked into the churn with them, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's the first thing. And I call it doing the homework before the legwork, right? Is just do that. Number two, prepare to show up, right? Before you walk in the room, I think it's really important because most of us are running from one event to the next. I mean, yes. the people that I'm working with and coaching, they're doing on average eight to 12 calls a day on Zoom or whatever their video medium is. Yeah. And they're not even getting time to like get a break in between. So right. when they show up, the human condition is to carry in what you just did, right? So all of that's in your body. And you before you even open conjugate a verb, you've already given off all the signals that the audience needs to hear. For, like they've already like, oh yeah, this person is hostile or this person doesn't care or, you know, mm. and so it's over. Like it's over. And, and so if you, if people would just take uh, like two minutes to do what I call pre-engagement preparation before the engagement, do three lower body breaths in through your nose, expand your belly out through your mouth, ex uh, squeeze belly to spine like a balloon, eyes closed. Then with your eyes still closed, I have time three times. And then, and then ask these three questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What does this person need from me? And answer it out loud. Just open your eyes and go in. And you are totally dialed in. Like it takes two minutes and you are ready now to be relatable and relevant to the other party. And they'll smell it on you the second you show up and you'll own the room. Right. And then the final thing I would say, until you see the pictures in the head of the other party in relation to what they value and what their pain is, and you have articulated it back so that they see that you see it, you're really not in a position to run your mouth. So I want to stop you there because I find that most people don't know for themselves the answer to those two questions. So there's no way they could possibly articulate it. Fair enough. But if you do those first two things I said, you'll be much more aware of your own goals. You will have just validated, who am I? I'm Scott Mann, husband, father, Green Beret. 
why am I here? I'm here to talk about how leaders can make a connection in this time of reemergence. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm clear. I have clarity right. now. What do they need from me? They need me to show up present, listening to what they have to say, and maybe reduce their fears that they're going to lose their job. Okay, cool. There we go. And that's how I show up, right? Uh, now, And the last thing on my mind before I walked into that engagement was what? What do they need from me? Yeah. Right. And yeah. when humans show up that way, that's actually how we're wired to interact. Not what can I get out of this meeting or how do I get my goals met? When we show up trying to get our goals met, it actually creates an absence of safety. Uh, people's armor goes up and we sense it. Right. But if we show up clear on our goals, but with a focus on trying to meet the other party's goals or at least get clear on what they are. Yeah. It's immediate reciprocity, which is a biological molecule called oxytocin. And it works. And it's been working for about a quarter of a million years. And if you watch the people that own rooms, that's what they do, right? That's what they do. That's how they show up. And, and, it's, and it's very authentic. You know, it can be manipulative if you choose to do that. But eventually somebody will pick up on it and they'll, they'll roll a grenade in the room with you, right? Like yeah. you'll, you'll get yours. But if you do it truly, like if you just say, Benj, listen, like I'm, you know, when I sit down with you, I'm, I really am not going to get into my stuff until I'm clear about the pictures in your head. And one more thing I'll say to that about your point about you don't, you know, you, we don't even know our own is ask thoughtful, open-ended questions of the other party that let them respond in narrative until you have those pictures of goals and pain. And you'll know it when you do, it's like the metallic click on a safe, like you'll go, Hey, is it? I just want to restate this. Am I hearing this right? Like, this is what you really value. And this is kind of what you're after that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Would it be all right if I share with you like what I'm thinking on that? And then you go. Right. Yeah. And, and and it's not, you know, it's not always templated that way, but most of the time it is. It's, no, it's I'm really, really glad you gave that example. That example really helps. And um, I want to give a shout out to Mackenzie Reeves, who you've all heard on this podcast. We had our, our weekly sync with our leadership team. Uh, earlier today and she knew everybody was coming in just hot and she actually stopped and said hey i want to know everybody's emotion coming into this and i i want to know what you need out of this meeting because i know you guys all have a lot going on so what does everybody need out of this meeting and, and i i thought it was just a great setup to you know disarm take a minute take a breath and know that it wasn't going to be a waste of time in the midst of all this other stuff that's going on it felt really awesome yeah, and the key thing about that bench, I'm walking inside here where it's, it's a little loud, is but the key thing about that, I think, is that um, you don't need a title to do that, right? You no. don't need you don't need some kind of formal declaration to hold that's called holding space, right? That's what we need today yes. in this country, is we need leaders who can um, hold space and who can create safety by making those kinds of connections, right? And 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 a lot of it is doing exactly what McKinsey did. You can do that with your kids. You can do that with your spouse. You can do that at a PTA meeting, right? And, and that's, I'm taking it back to what I'm saying. I'm really worried about this level of madness that is settling on. I call it shadow tribalism, where we are so far removed from that meaning-seeking, emotional, social story animal who struggles reality. And we're, we're consumed with this modernity, with having our heads buried in our phones, uh, with, cat, you know, with, with just transactional materialism. That we are, the, you know, Mother Nature's revenge is that we become that shadow tribal creature that's all the negative things of tribalism. It's revenge and feud and scarcity and just pure survival. 
Mm-hmm. And if you look at an in-group, out-group behavior competing over status and resources, look around the country today, and it's exactly what you see, right? And, 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 and so it, we, we ignore meaning and emotion and, and connection and story and struggle at our peril. Like, I think it will cause our businesses to go down and maybe even worse, um, violence. And uh, I'm even concerned about societal collapse if we don't get this straight. You just let that settle for a minute, right? I mean, uh, we understand all the things that you've seen, right, in other countries, and, and you're back home now, and um, and you're seeing some of those things here. Well, yeah, and do you think I would make us, I mean, like, I've spent close to 30 years doing this work, and right. I've, I've seen how it ends, like, multiple yeah. times, and, you know, I, I, I would never make a statement like that if I hadn't really done my homework and if I hadn't um, like watched this for years and done the research and the interviews and, 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 and late and mapped it onto human dynamics. And, and if you, and this is what, this is part of the problem with that madness is there is this blissful. I mean, even look at how people are behaving in the pandemic. Like the other day I was talking to a young associate from a tech company. And I was like, how's it going with the, you know, the remote work? Like you've been at this for, you know, a year and a half and you've been working from home. And and this is her response. I can do this forever. It's great. I have everything. I mean, she's nearly in tears. Like, and and it's like, holy crap. Like it was like something out of the twilight zone. And she, you know, and, 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 and she, she literally was saying I could work alone forever. I don't need humans. All I need really, Scott, is this laptop and these headphones. And I have everything in my life that I need. I'm perfectly fine. You know, and look, I get it. I know entire companies are built on remote work and all that. But the second that we think we don't need other humans in our life, that is a level of madness that was not in place before this pandemic hit. And, And we've got to start kind of waking up and reattuning to the need to reconnect with each other at every level. And if we don't do it, I will point out to you, look at the escalation of violence, look at the escalation of political disarray, polarization. I mean, our country has never seen anything like this, nor have we seen it in the business world. And, you know, it's going to, we've got to kind of, I get really hyped about this, man, because like (laughs) it's, it's serious and it's more than just cash flow. I'll be vulnerable here. There's a piece of me that loves what you're saying. I love those moments where we get to go face to face with people and get into like, how are you really doing? And what can we do? And all those things. And there's a piece of me that's like, we got a job to do. I need people that can pull up their big boy pants and get their stuff done. And, you know, us, you know, the it's hard to think about going from, you know, okay, my job is the, you know, leader of this organization is now like a counselor for all my people. Like, is that what we're being called to? Is that the necessity point that we're at? I I don't know how, you know, again, this is where I think that I appreciate your vulnerability because I understand what you're saying. And I think a lot of listeners are probably thinking the same thing, right? Because we've got stuff to do here, but let me just, let me offer a few thoughts on this. What is the level of talent turnover in the business arena right now. Hi. It's according to the most recent polls, up to 50% of the 
of associates say they're going to leave their job that 50%. And I will tell you at the top 10 bank that I'm coaching at, at the highest level, they have a 15% attrition rate right now and climbing. And they're doing the highest level of volume they've ever done, but they're not going to make it if they don't get that talent tsunami under control, right? So we can label this whatever we want and we can push back on it however we want. But, but what I would tell you where I'm coming at this binge is like I spent you know, 18 years in a line of work where we had the highest level of killed in action, more than Delta, SEAL Team 6, Army Rangers, and Marine Special Ops combined, right? Where there's only 6,500 wow. of us, and we had more killed in action than all of those forces combined post 9-11. So like, I'm not a kumbaya guy. Like I am a guy that has shot the enemy in the face and I've taken plenty of people out of this world through coercion. And if I thought coercion was the approach, I'd probably just say it, but it's not. We're not wired for coercion. It's only in specific instances that top down hands on hips because I said so, damn it, it's gonna get it done. And the reality is right now we have people who have gone on a year and a half long journey that has jacked them up in one way or another. Other people are good. Other people are fine. Can't wait to get back to work. But there is a sizable number of people yeah. who are not in the same place that they were. And so I don't know what else we can do except step back and go, what's actually happening here at a human nature level? And how do I lead when it's really hard and people yeah. don't want to follow me right now? Yeah. Well, people yeah. don't want to follow anyone right now. No. No, because they're in a, they are in an, a highly aroused state. That is the sympathetic nervous system activated as if there's a rattlesnake in the bushes. The only problem is they've been in this state for a year and a half and you're supposed yeah. to be in it for like three seconds. Right, right. Man, this is heavy and we can always, I mean, I feel like the three of us could talk human terrain all day long, every day. Um, I definitely want people to know about what your latest major public initiative is. So will you tell us what you got going on? Cause it's really cool. Yeah, I will, man. Real quick though. I just want to say um, also um, the, the social story animal, uh, you know, and who struggles, I just real quick. Um, yes. Social is just focus on where are we disconnected in our office? Like where are the in groups and out groups and where do I need to focus on reconnecting? Like, that's just a good question for leaders to be asking themselves yes. is where do I need to reconnect? Like, where's the connection broken? Where do I need to restore trust? Where do I need to build trust from neutral? And where do I just need to maintain it because she's a great client? Like, mm -hmm. just think about connection a, a bit more deliberately. That's that social creature, right? Story is, I think right now that business leaders can do is it's not the stories that you're telling necessarily. It's the stories that you ask to hear. Asking people, what, what's this been like for you? Where are you? Right. Just open-ended questions, right? Because humans think in story. And your client thinks in story and you're in a lot of that will bring the emotional temperature down naturally. Just take an extra five minutes and do like you all do at systems and soul and do a check-in, you know, like just ask a question, like where are you, or like McKinsey did, Hey, where's everybody yeah. at here right now? Yeah. Let's just time the hell out. Like set the agenda aside for a second. And let's remember we got humans on the other side of the screen. Right. Um, and then finally struggle. Uh, we are, you know, struggle is nothing more, according to Daniel Coyle, 
than the brain forming new neural pathways to overcome and adapt to new data, right? So the brain is, it, it, it's, it's, it forms these new neural pathways and that's a struggle to do that. It's a clunky physiological process that happens and it feels uncomfortable, but that's really what's, what's happening is at a biological level, it's just the brain dealing with a new situation and wiring new neural pathways. Now it's emotionally infused, but the point is, as Coyle says, struggle's a biological necessity. Like we ain't getting away from it. It doesn't matter how modern we are, how squared away we are, how processed we are. That's why I love system and soul because with no struggle, no story, no struggle, yeah. no business, no struggle, no ad campaign, right? No, and no so growth. nothing. So right. rather, rather than try to dilute the story or suppress it, freaking stand on it, man, repurpose it. I call it the generosity of scars, like repurpose your personal story, your personal struggle, your organization. I'm working with a tech company right now that went through bankruptcy. And my, my thing to them is, Hey, lead with it. You know, talk about where you've been, talk about where you're going, but you can't talk about where you're going unless you talk about where you've been and that struggle. That's where people actually relate to you, Yeah, you know? And so don't run away from it. Like just embrace it. Struggle's part of this thing. Talk about it in an ongoing way, and you'll be surprised how quickly that will bring people around at an all hands meeting. You know, and, well, and that's and the thing, you know, like I mean, yeah, to Benjamin's point, this this is heavy, right? But but this is real. This is what we're in right now. So we Absolutely. gotta talk about it. We're now, in. but you know, here's kind of before we segue into your yeah. your announcement, you know, let's let everybody know that. It's not like this is insurmountable. We can take that hill, okay? But we've got to understand that, like, just the understanding we're meaning-seeking social, right? Yeah. That social, the emotional and social. Executives got to tap into that. Absolutely. They got to tap into theirs, right, before they can go downstream. and. And with with the story, holy shit! Like the, the, I've been I've been doing this right now. Again, I'm in your training program, so I'm learning this stuff, right? But I'm <laughs> going out, and when when the opportunity arises, you know, I try to teach what I learned, right? And this is a, this particular area is really uh, passionate for us at System and Soul because of exactly what you're talking about, like. Uh, executives, you you know, you, you've got to say it in a way to your point so that the brain, which is over 10,000 years, you hear it in a certain pattern so that it can escalate up through the processes of going from your alligator, you know, brain all the way up through. Right. So, you know, I want to end this like this isn't the end of the world. This isn't the end of the times, folks, but this is real. We're in it. And there are tools to help you lead your organization and your people through all this churn um, and to get to the other side, right? I, yeah, I, 100%. There's, there's going to be people who, I think everybody's going to survive this, but there's also going to be people who thrive. And in my estimation is in low trust, high stake situations where you see what's going on right here. My experience has been the leaders who lead with purpose and human connection skills are the ones that are going to thrive because yeah. it's going to create reciprocity and safety in the other party. And they're going to follow you out of choice, not coercion. They're going to follow you out of choice, not out of fear. 
And, and, and that's what I'm trying to get at. And, yeah. and, and it's not, it, it's actually about the good news, man. It's about getting back to our nature. Like it's getting back to the stuff our grandparents did and how they led and how they spoke to each other and how mm. they spent time with one another and how they just, how they were in the world. Right. And I'm not saying that like we got to get all cornball and stuff, but I am saying that there it's, there are innate skills in us in how we treat each other, how we show up for each other, how we connect with each other that are being buried by modernity and mass technology. Yeah. And if we stay on that path, you're going to yeah. be in the camp that's surviving, not thriving because it, it actually right. pushes humans away. That's all. Yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, thanks for letting me go back to that bench. Yeah. No, good stuff. All right. So let's, uh, um, let's yeah, share you guys totally everybody. turned that around. So it ended on a happy note. Yay. Everything's going to be great. Hey, if we're not anything else, we're intense, the three of us, when we get together. All right. So not, not intense, but really cool. Tell us what you're doing. Uh, well, you know, the, the hero's journey, which is my nonprofit that my wife and I founded uh, several years ago. Um, we, we help warriors come home from war and find their voice and tell their story as they come home. And in order to show the power of that, I wrote a play called last out. You guys have had me on talk about it. We toured with it, COVID hit, and we couldn't tour anymore with our combat veteran cast and military family members. So being a good quick start, we turned it into a film. Uh, we self-funded, uh, we, we worked with community hosts like Chris and others, and it ended up just being a beautifully done film that is now going to be released on uh, veterans day. And the whole intent is to inform, um, validate, connect, and heal, uh, communities, veterans, civilians uh, around this, this tough topic of modern war at a time when we're approaching the 20 year anniversary of nine 11. And when, you know, we've ended a war that is the longest war in American history. Uh, almost a million veterans served in Afghanistan. And so we tell that story in a very personal way and it's gonna be out on streaming uh, platforms on uh, November 11th. Yeah, and I saw it and it is intense and little warning, it's not a very family friendly. So if you got young ones, you know, save this for after they go to bed. Can I speak um, to that real quick? Yeah. Just real fast is, um, you know, you're right. I mean, like the language is, and we talk like warriors and the content is definitely mature. Um, but, you know, on tour, we had a lot of parents bring their kids, uh, particularly veterans who wanted their kids to see mm. why dad is this way or why mom is this way. And, and, and some of them were fairly young. And I had a parent ask me one time in our talk back, and she said, um, what is the proper age for, cause I've got some other kids I want to bring. What's the proper age to bring to this film? And I looked for around and I said, do they play Fortnite? And she said, well, yes. And I said, bring them because they're right now, they are actively participating in a game that does an end zone dance when you shoot someone in the chest cavity. So I think you can bring them to a, a film that actually talks about the um, essence and emotion of uh, war that we send our people to go fight. And, and it actually, I think, brings the humanity back mm -hmm. to an environment where once again, we are creating a representation. Of, it's not a present, it's, it's a representation of what war is in a way that kids are celebrating killing someone. 
And and uh, so that's my take on it, Binge. And, yeah. and you know, I'm I'm pretty adamant about it. Yeah, that's cool. I like you. I'm glad you jumped in and shared that. It's uh, it's definitely not something to do lightheartedly. No, it should but, be entered into deliberately. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's good. I'm glad you cleared that. And up. sit with your kids and have a conversation afterwards, right? Like, oh yeah, you, you know have what I mean? to. Yeah, you have to because you yeah. have to process what you just saw because it, um it is eye opening and you can't just, you can't just finish and be like, well, you want to go get a cup of coffee? <laughs> like um, it, it's heavy, but in a, yeah. in a way that we should all experience. So and appreciate it, you and that. Film. Yeah. Appreciate it. And it's designed to be, you know, the whole overarching theme is to let go, right? There is, it, there is catharsis and resolution at the end of this film. Yeah. Um, and it is really designed to help all of us let go of the pain we're holding on to. And uh, whether we served or not, whether we had someone in the military or not, we're all holding on to um, a level of pain and guilt that is frankly unhelpful and dangerous. Mm -hmm. And all of us deserve to let go of that pain. And, and that is really at its truest form. That's what this story is about, is about letting go um, and knowing peace. Scott, always awesome to have you on. And um, since you're a regular and you're going to want to retain that championship belt, we'll have to get you back. Uh, keep it up on the calendar. But, uh, you know, I, I love our conversation. And I feel like today what, what we got into is just so timely. And we all, whether we're doing it or not, we need to hear it again, understand why, get some tips on how to do it and really dig into the people side of all of our businesses. So thank you. From Chris and I, System and Soul, we're out. We'll see you next week.